0: Welcome to another episode of Theology.fm. I am your host, Jeremy Myers. Listen, I want to begin right off with our sponsor, because I've got a little bit of a different introduction than normal for this podcast episode. Our sponsor for this podcast is BibleWorks Software. If you do much research, investigation, study of Scripture from Greek and Hebrew... You probably are already aware of BibleWorks. If not, it's something, a tool that you definitely need to have on your computer for your PC or your Mac. It helps you do everything you need to do to study the the biblical text from Greek and Hebrew. Does your keyword research, has a bunch of lexicons, dictionaries, even will parse your words for you, sentence diagramming, all of that. Extremely helpful. It's a great concordance tool as well. It just does everything related to Greek and Hebrew studies. If you don't know Greek and Hebrew, it's a great tool for that as well. I started using Bible Works way back, years ago, before I knew even a single word of Greek or Hebrew. And I found it extremely beneficial then, and I still have found it extremely beneficial now, having gone through seminary and taken multiple years of both Greek and Hebrew. So wherever you're at in your Bible study, get a copy of Bible Works. You just go to theology.fm slash BibleWorks and that will take you to a link, best price I found online for it. Okay, now, what I want you to do for today's podcast episode is in just about 15 seconds, I'm going to tell you to turn this podcast off and go watch a documentary. You need to watch the documentary before you listen to this podcast. It's going to be very helpful for you. All right, the the, the documentary is actually from the 1980s, and it's called Jesus Camp. You can watch it for free on Netflix if you have Netflix streaming. But there's also a free documentary site online that has it as well. And I have included a link to that free site on the show notes for this podcast episode. So what you need to do if you don't have Netflix streaming is go to theology.fm slash Darren Hufford. Slash twenty four, and there will be a link there to the free documentary online, or you can just go to Netflix. I'm not trying to read the read the long link because it's just too confusing. It's too long. So if you just go to theology.fm slash Darren Hufford, that's D-A-R-I-N dash Hufford, H-U-F-F-O-R-D slash twenty four. Click on the link there to take you and watch the free documentary. And when you're done with that, come on back here. I'll be waiting, and we'll talk about what you watched. Okay, are you back? (laughs) Did you watch it? Yes, yes, yes. The... Documentary had a slow start. But I hope that as you watched it, you saw the same thing I did. As I watched Jesus Jesus camp, I, I came to realize that what I was watching on the screen was spiritual child abuse. It was extremely sad for me to watch. I watched it with my wife and she was horrified as well. but more than that, as I watched it, I, I came to realize that what was being done to these children, is nearly identical to what gets done to many adults in some churches today. It's a little more subtle with the adults, but it's it's not quite as blatant, but it, it pretty much amounts to the same thing. Many of our churches today are, are little more than places where spiritual and religious abuse is heaped upon people week in and week out. People are manipulated and controlled in the name of God to act a certain way, think certain things live a certain way, speak a certain way, pray a certain way, understand the Bible a certain way. I know that, that, that most churches are, are probably not like this. It's not typical of most churches. So if you're in a church and, you know, you don't, you don't see any spiritual abuse going on around you, that's fine. I'm not talking about you and your church, but this does happen. I, I get, you know, five to 10, sometimes 15 emails almost every day, it seems, from people around the world who are suffering under spiritual abuse. And it's just tragic on the stories they tell me and what they're, what is happening to them in their churches. They're asking me for help, and there's usually very little I can do from halfway around the world or other side of the country, except for tell them, leave their church and find a new one, which sometimes I do have to tell them that. But even though the specific actions and activities might not be taking place in most churches or in your church— I would hazard a guess to say that the underlying mindset and approach to people is more common than you or I might realize. And the mindset is this. Here is the mindset that is quite common in most churches today. The message is, you're not good enough. You need to fix yourself up. God hates sin. He hates sin of other people. So if you want fellowship with God, you've got to stop sinning. You've got to stop doubting. You need to act a certain way, talk a certain way, live a certain way, eat only certain things, go only to certain places, do only certain things. And if you don't, oh, watch out. God is going to punish you. You can't be yourself, churches tell people, because you're evil. least you have evil desires, evil motives. You are unrighteous. You need to be reformed. You need to be remade. You need to get yourself fixed up. You need to pray more and pray harder. You need to read the Bible more and study harder. You need to attend church more and get involved in a home group so you can truly become who God wants you to be. You need to give more of your money to the church so God can bless your home and your finances and your job. You need to witness and evangelize more because if you don't, The blood of all your friends and neighbors will be on your own head. And on, and on, and on it goes. The movie, the documentary, Jesus Camp, shows in glaring color what happens in a more muted way in in most churches around the world. Maybe not in your church, okay? I, I understand that, but trust me when I say that this is happening in many churches around the world. As I watch Jesus Camp, I recognize that what is being done to these children is nearly identical to what happens to these people, these adults who email me for help from all around the world. It's really ultimately why I write my blog at redeeminggod.com you might see sort of the subtitle, if you've ever been over there, redeeminggod.com. The subtitle to my blog is Helping Rescue People from the Shackles of Religion. And I have a great burden and unceasing anguish in my heart, you know, to echo Paul, for people who believe they are following God and doing everything he wants them to do, but nevertheless, they go about in a state of constant fear and worry that maybe they haven't done enough for God or have said the wrong thing or, or maybe have done the wrong thing to make God stop loving them. And I I long to help rescue people from religion because religion kills. And I don't mean physically kills. I I suppose sometimes it does that too. I, I mean that it kills psychologically and emotionally, spiritually. Religion tells people they're not good enough as they are, that they need to reject themselves and deny who they are and who they want to be and instead become some sort of religious clone where they say the right things, wear the right things, eat the right things, go to the right places. You know, religious people often cannot have a normal conversation with someone without feeling guilty for not bringing God into it. If they have a conversation about politics or the weather, for goodness sake, and they leave, then they often feel guilty because they didn't bring God up. They didn't quote a Bible verse. They didn't talk about Jesus to that person. And, oh, no, that person's blood is on my hand, head or something like that. It makes me very, very sad. We should be able to have normal conversations with people about normal things without bringing God into it. Religious people, you know, they can't get together with with friends for food and fellowship without feeling guilty if they don't at least some point in the evening open their Bibles and have a little Bible study or at least open with a time of prayer. (laughs) When was the last time you met with Christians, a group of Christians, and someone didn't say, oh, well, let's open with a word of prayer? Why do we have to do that? That makes me sad. Religious people, they can't help a neighbor or a coworker in need without feeling like they have to share the gospel with them or invite them to church or tell them, you know, God loves you, it's why I'm doing this. That makes me sad. I want you to live in the freedom for which you've been set free. So anyway, it's a very long introduction to this Theology.fm podcast. I'm sorry about that. But in this episode, Darren and Hans give their podcast listeners the same assignment i just gave you to go and watch jesus camp and then they turn around and discuss what they heard and saw in the movie so you if you've already watched it great you don't need to go watch it again obviously when they tell their listeners to go watch it so let's just tune in and see what darren and hans have to say about the documentary movie jesus camp
1: Last week we talked about uh, we kind of closed a little bit. I talked about the movie that I would watched, which is I'm sure ten or twelve years old by now. It's it. it, it
2: uh, George Bush was still president. <coughs> yeah, so yeah, and, and uh, Ted
1: Haggard was still pastor. Yeah, yeah. back then. Uh, yeah, but uh, Ted Haggard was in the, it was that. That was the, the big the church, film. right?
2: That was the the. That was when he church. was the head of the you
1: know the the big church in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, which essentially at that time oh, Ted Haggard was ahead of. He was. You know, considered a leader to like a huge percentage of Christians yeah. in the world, you yeah. know, Almost like the Pope. I mean, he had had more people under him. Well, their uh, than church any has other Christian.
2: satellites all over the U.S. Right? They did. That, yeah. that one church is a yeah. is yeah. a plant that 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 fills yeah. all kinds of churches. Yeah. And I knew him back then. I was a pastor back
1: at that time, uh-huh. and uh, he would come to our church and, and preach. So I had met him. Yeah. Um, when he had the big fall. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they basically banned him from Colorado and his church threw him out. Um, you know, I wrote him a letter during that time and, and basically said, Hey, I am a hundred percent on your side. I believe in you. Um, you know, and, and just poured my heart out to him. And, and, you know, when, when he left, whenever that big fall happened, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he went to Phoenix and he mm-hmm. went to my church, Phoenix First Assembly, uh-huh. for his quote-unquote uh, rehab, rehab or, what, or, you know, or, or what do they call it? We're restoring you, restoration, right. whatever work. So he went there, and he was actually going to that church. Yeah. Uh, now, that time I had already left. Yeah, uh, I asked them to put me in contact with him, and they wouldn't do it, of course, because I was the enemy. Because I, had, huh. They didn't like the message I That's preached when bad. I left. So anyway, but you know, Ted Haggard later came on and was on the End of the Wild Show. Oh, cool! I yeah. didn't know that. Oh,
2: yeah, I let I you know. scroll through. Let me go find yeah, it. Yeah, I had
1: him on the End of the Wild Show, um, and he's now back in Colorado, and he mm-hmm. started another church, a Grace-based church. Sure. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but uh, anyway, the, the movie was not about Ted Haggard. No, he, the he Jesus kind of Camp movie. Uh, you know, in all fairness, to those of you who haven't seen it and are going to. The the whole purpose, you can tell, of the movie was to get the rest of the world up in arms about uh, uh, Christians taking over the White House um, and to show uh, the possibilities of craziness if the crazies of the crazies became
2: leaders of the country. So
1: that was really the – did you get the feeling that that was kind of the purpose of of the documentary? I I saw
2: some definite – like like political purposes behind right, exactly. it, and so right. I I don't think yeah I, I in fact I they didn't I kind state of that him as in my purpose. head. No, yeah. it, it's not stated. I, uh, creationism versus versus uh, evolution, Darwin, Darwinian yeah. evolution. Um, uh, the just hyper Pentecostal treatment of children, yeah. and then the comparisons that were that were made by the 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 pastor of of militant militant Muslim uh, children. I felt like like. Uh, they were definitely exposing that basically Christian kids are the same. Okay, and then the third there yeah. was a there was an anti-abortion side to it too that I I, I yeah. saw as well. And so I mean I I feel like yeah. definitely there's a political side to it. Oh, de- oh there no so, doubt it was in, you know there, it, it, it was it was no yeah. it it wasn't a hit piece directly though I, I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. that. but the, the interesting thing about
1: it when I first saw this uh, I had just come out of uh, a Pentecostal church mm-hmm. and in fact uh, you know. Uh, the the different things where it showed the kids all painted in war paint and they yeah. were doing stuff to the music. You know, it was, yeah. it was my church and Master's Commission who started those human the videos. We video, yeah, were uh, the ones who made that popular. In yeah. fact, I believe Master's Commission even worked with this particular lady the documentary was okay. was on. Uh-huh. Um, so... That kind of talk and that kind of teaching that were are giving the children is mm-hmm. exactly the kind of teaching that came from uh, Master's Commission and the and the group that I came from. Gotcha. Um, it is definitely without question, it is not the majority of Christians in America do not think this way. I don't think um, so. They don't <laughs> behave this way. This is a small <laughs> slice. Well, it's a large slice. It's, it's Assembly of Godism. Um, um, it is a large slice of Pentecostals. There are a lot, but but that doesn't make up. Um, you know so many others uh, Methodists Absolutely. Baptists who do not think this way and act this way, but the first time I saw this and I was listening to the, what they were saying to the kids you know mm-hmm. um, you know you you know, just the stuff they were putting on these kids about mm-hmm. you know taking over and taking this 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 nation back for Christ and yeah and and all of that stuff all the warrior stuff we're Christian soldiers and all this mm-hmm. it was it was very much like the teachings that I came from and the first time I saw it I remember thinking well what's so bad about this mm-hmm. um, you know granted it's a little radical but yeah you know this, these kids have a heart for God and they're they're really you know you see the kids really wanting to you know
2: I, I wanted to make sure to, to draw that out with you that. I've I went to I went to camp as a kid. Yeah. Um, I went from kids camp all the way through high school. Was it camp like this? Um I will say in context, there were there were pieces of almost all of that movie that I have experienced, okay, yeah. but not all at once. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, I have that
1: was the difference for me too. Yes, yeah. Um, like I said, when I when I saw it, I thought this isn't so bad. But then when I saw it all at once, that's the for the next two hours, I was mortified and it hits you. I was broken In fact, Angie walked in. we were watching it the other night, and. Watched like a minute of it and left the room crying, and that's a big deal because that's, my I wife Meg that's huge. Won't watch it, make no.
2: watch the beginning, and she she saw that beginning part, and I I think it's because it's it's almost it's not horrific, but it's it's so challenging to your spirit when you when you realize this message isn't christ yeah. this message isn't relationship yeah. this message is us and them and yeah. it even does it so in church so. even inside yeah. church it yeah. does it yeah. it, cre- it creates a a, a a almost like a two well uh you were just talking about haggard and a, a pastor can't be human. I mean, we, and we've talked about this multiple times. But in that environment, everybody has to be perfect. Oh yeah. Oh, it was. And and the difficult thing
1: for me watching these children, the way they're being taught. Um. You know, I was I was telling my wife. I said the the term that comes to mind with me is. Um, go down, soul. Go down. You, it's it's mm-hmm. like there there is a there's a definite message. Push the real you down, mm-hmm. and create a fake you yeah. that that you live and breathe and walk in almost like a vehicle that that is religion. Yeah. Um. Remember when the little girl was laying on the bed and she was talking about how she would like to maybe, um have a nail salon someday where yes. she can minister. And she was and, and that whole scene, there were several scenes, but that particular scene with that little girl talking about how she would like to have a ministry, this the girls were like nine years old. Yeah. Um, the, it was amazing you're watching her and a piece of her popped up. Popped up. Yep, popped I would out. like to do nails someday. Yeah. And then immediately there was this go down soul. And this, this the religious scripted version of her. It's mm-hmm. like she was in a vehicle that spoke and talked and responded only with what she has heard, not with what she knows. That's it. And she went on saying, and I and I could have it a ministry where people could come and we could t- and and every word out of her mouth was scripted, every single word. Well, the young, the, the, young the kid level kid of too, fakeness.
2: The, yeah, and I'm not saying she was a little faker. No, no. I'm not saying that. In fact, <clears throat> that's part of the problem is that you're creating. By doing it with children of that age, they're not being fake. They're yeah. being exactly what you created, but it's not real.
1: Yeah exactly
2: the the core of what you're putting into them is not real and so they are real lies yeah and the, and they're they're these and they precious can't help kids
1: it. yes they're exactly. trying their best to say the right thing and to yeah. and yeah. I remember remember when the, there's a scene where the the woman who's in charge of it all meets Levi and his buddy in the hallway mm-hmm. and she's asking yes. if they're going to camp no i had my wife come in and watch it um and She's like, hey, hey, guys, hey, hey, it's real excited to have you here. And I stopped and I said, do you see? I said, even her excitement is fake. It's all fake. Everything is fake. But she says to Levi, is your whole family coming uh, to camp? And, and Levi, this young kid about 11 years old, he goes, no, no. And she turns to the other kid. And you immediately see on this poor kid's face, oh, no my family's not coming on. I'm just going to, and he pipes, and he goes, goes, my my brother's coming. Yeah. you could just see him so badly Mm -hmm. wanting acceptance Mm -hmm. and, and realizing in this religious world, how you get it and how you lose it. Mm -hmm. And you can watch these kids in their minds. Um, Learning to maneuver in this world and, and learning to say the right things and do the right things to get acceptance. While all along it's amazing the parents and the leaders are encouraging the lie and fakeism. Mm-hmm. Uh, they encourage it in their children. So when their children stand up and do something religiously fake, the parents are there to encourage them and say, way to be obedient. Yeah, You know, you did it. it it's just the whole thing. It's like... What it was is brainwashing.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, it, uh, uh, I, that was something that was going through my head on the way over here. <coughs> All kids will will be imprinted with what you put into them. Yeah, Kids will be brainwashed no matter what. And when you have the... You, I was I was really struck by the scene that you were speaking of when she approached the two yeah, in the hallway. boys in the hallway. Because I, I know... As a youth pastor, who did it for a long time, I know how to plug into kids. I know I can teach other people. Mm -hmm. I can teach you the tools of how to make a kid trust you. I can teach you the tools of how to excite kids, how to get them going. And yet, that's, that's a... And if you're using that, if that's something that you're using on kids, that is one of the most horrible things. It, it, I felt almost yes. like I was watching, and we've talked about this kind of before, I felt like I was watching a pedophile. Uh, was, I was, was going to say, a child molester, it's like watching a child molester at work, and I'm not saying
1: this woman is no, that, she's
2: not. In no way, that but is not what I'm there's saying. There's a grid manipulation. Yes. And um, it's so it's a learned act <laughs> that she is going to do to make sure that camp gets plugged. Yeah. But she's using the desire for relationship with an authority, with a yeah. a, a wonderful yeah. authority. I believe that that woman has the most wonderfully true heart. Yeah. I believe that what she is wanting is absolutely good, yeah. but what she is doing and how she is doing it yeah. is, cr- and this is uh, the, the worst part of it for me, the thing that, that damned Jesus camp for me as a movie, and it made my heart so mm-hmm. sad, is that those kids are going to grow up. A lot of them are going to go to college. A lot of them are going to have friends, and the empty reality yeah. of Jesus to them is eventually going to make itself known, and what are they going to do then? When you have to face the world with a Jesus that is not relational, with a Jesus that yeah. is this hollow, uh, uh, hyped-up discotech doctrine where we have to get excited, and if I didn't feel this, and I didn't get tongues, yeah. when when they actually have to face a friend that has a real question, and they can't pray over them and get them healed. And they don't have the scripted answer. No! What are they going to do? Yeah. and Do you remember the, the scene where
1: that precious little blonde-haired boy, <laughs> um, he must have been nine years old, he stood in front of the group and said, sometimes he has a problem believing and he doesn't believe the whole Bible's true sometimes. And and the camera pans out and shows the reaction of all the kids sideways Um, glances. And yeah, this, this total, (coughs) it's this poor little boy. And you saw him throughout the whole movie, just seeking so bad. And what, and what they were taught to seek is an emotional experience. Yeah. Um, and i I guess the reason this and i'm sure those of you who haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this i'm sure you're just like saying what is this about like because we're not really giving a lot of details but yet we are and so i we probably need to stop on that line because i but basically this jesus camp movie um shows these children being trained in pentecostal christianity in a brainwashing manner a manipulative manner and it shows the toll it takes on them but the reason why to me it's so amazing and so impacting is because the same thing has happened to us as adults. Mm-hmm. You just see it more when it's happening to a child. Sure. And all these things, these these scripted answers that these children are giving when they're being interviewed and and you know, one scene where this little girl walks up to this lady in a bowling alley, just out of the blue, she goes, Um, God's telling me to tell you that He He thinks you're special and, and He has something very special for you and He's just telling me to tell you that, you know And the woman, bless her heart was very kind. Yeah. And it's like, oh, thank you. And then she handed her a track. That's it. And then later she goes back and and she's talking to, I think it was her dad. And her dad's like, way to be obedient, honey. And you know, if that were me and my daughter, I would have said, honey, what are you thinking? Yeah. Honey, there are other ways to connect with, you know, but but that whole thing was encouraged by the dad. Anyway, when you see this and you see it in children. You see how much of it is in you and how much of it we did to adults and how much the adults have bought into it. And and uh, it's – to me, I think what is so heartbreaking about this is uh, these people um, – and this is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Th- this is why what inspires me. This is why I travel. This is why I preach. This is everything I do. These people have been stolen from themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been stolen. Um, Their soul is in a coma. Yeah. And they know it not. And it's so obvious when you see it in this context all at once in this Jesus camp film. But I see it everywhere I go. You know, when I'm in Holland and I look out, when I'm in London and when when I'm in Wisconsin, when I'm, you know, in Australia, I see the people and I see that same look mm. in their eyes where they've been lulled into a coma by the religious machine. Mm. And now they're riding around in this vehicle um, that thinks and acts like you know the religion has taught them, but nothing is real. Nothing mm-hmm. is authentic. Nothing, mm-hmm. and and when a person is separated from themselves, it, it is so awful on so many levels. Mm-hmm. But but what hits me the most is the way in which it's done. Mm-hmm. The the main avenue through which it's done is through self-loathing. Through you're being taught that there is no good in you, yeah. and. And so that is the first door, the first bomb that happens that causes you to separate you from yourself. Mm -hmm. When you see all the little things they do to back that up and to continue that process in these children's hearts, it makes me want to go there. Honestly, it makes me want to go there and kill them. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. so unloving. It makes me want to go there and just start shooting. It makes me so mad because being separated from yourself is the most horrid, horrible thing. And the main reason is, is because you're a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And God is himself dazzled like a woman stares at a, a diamond and admires it from every angle. He loves you and who you are. So when, when self-loathing has been incorporated into your thinking in an effort to create some false picture of humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that happens and you separate you from your own heart, you're missing out on one of the greatest revelations that God wants you to have. Yeah. He wants you to have a revelation of yourself. Yeah. So when I see this happening, I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I'm so heartbroken and angry and furious and every every adjective you could imagine Crosses through me. I'm inspired. I'm. I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, to to do whatever I can do to stop
2: it. So, mm-hmm. speak. Well, the the thing that hits me is the innocence. It's it's yeah. it's easy for me to dismiss um, either a, a, a Joel Osteen or a a crazy really hyper-Pentecostal, you know, evangelist pushing adults. Because in the back of my mind, when I look at adults, I think, well, you guys are all capable of reason. And if you believe it, it's your own damn fault. Well, and you're capable of abstract thought. When you look at a nine-year-old, that nine-year-old isn't capable of abstract thought. They can't separate out when you are being absolutely blunt and serious versus when you are giving a little bit of nuance and wanting them to think. The first message that they brought at the camp was on sin. The first night they were trying to get them to wash themselves clean of all of their sin. Right right there is an antichrist philosophy. I sat there and thought, let's just get rid of Jesus altogether. Let's all wash ourselves clean of sin. Yeah, Go on. No, I'm totally totally with you on that. And and so much of what uh, (laughs) this documentary is perfect, not for the world. Honestly, and that—that was. Oh yeah, the world would never get it. And and, in all honesty, they'll just come away saying they're crazy Christians. Exactly, which is that's normative. But it—it's so good, and I really do mean good for Christians to watch this. And the reason why is because it's like um, it's when you. Well, I don't remember who said it, but but uh, uh, you can measure a culture by the way that it treats its vulnerables, or you can measure yeah. a culture by the way that they treat their very young and their very old. Yeah. And yeah. the way that we treat our very young in church is through uh, not familial indoctrination, where families raise up right. their kids right. w- with their way. Yeah. But I, I, it hit me. Parents are sending their kids to this woman, and are they even aware? Because in the back of my mind, I was wondering. I wonder if all the parents that are sending their kids to this camp or to this prayer meeting, I, I can't believe that all of them would be. I, I don't know.
1: I, I Not all of them, I'm sure, but I you I think, think they're, they're aware. I think our parents were very aware uh, when I was at the church that that they were sending their kids to something like that. Ugh. Yeah, and the obligation that's put on them to change no, the world right. to it's come in to went, fix the government. Too. I never
2: had. Yeah, we didn't have that level when I was at it. I guess.
1: No, I, I think the parents are. Yeah, I, I, I think they're aware. Yeah, um, you know, even the parents in the in the video who were being interviewed. Her dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're you right. Know, they, you're right. They were right along with it. it hits you know? me. They were. As a dad with boys, and exactly what you said a couple minutes ago. It is so easy to damage my boys. It's so all that I need to do to totally ruin uh, something that that either of my boys has done is if I'm critical, especially if I'm hypercritical of them if if, if no. i walk in and i have to catch myself because no. i'll see something that they're doing no. and instead of spotting something really cool about it initially i might say something that's not no. like like appreciative no. of it and i especially my youngest i can watch him just break no. and that like what you're talking about in terms of self lo- self-loathing that is so an element of no. all church but it's it's the way that you manipulate young no. kid it's it's immediate. Oh, it's, it's, you're right. And it's, oh. Now, the other side is true, though, too. And this is what's so important for, for us when you watch this. If I compliment somebody, even if the compliment is for them, and not even because they've done a good job, but mm-hmm. because I love you. And so right, I'm going to compliment right. your work. But when you watch people bloom in, in both compliment as well as gratitude, when you're grateful to somebody, they are so immediately reactive. And one of the challenges that I see in this woman is not, (laughs) she doesn't have an open heart to what the Lord wants for her world. She has an agenda that she is going to walk in. She's going to propagate with these people, whether they like it or not. And granted, I, I, I understand the need for, um, uh, you know, knowing what your purpose is and going out and exercising your purpose. But this is, I, How could she ever have her heart
1: changed? Well, well, and when when Christian purpose now becomes anti-abortion. And, yeah, governmental. And governmental stuff. Yeah. You've lost it. Yes. And and perhaps they're smart at making the documentary because the world does need to be warned about this mentality. It's true. Because as a Christian, that is not... That is not our principle. Um, well,
2: it, it, to cover that stuff, that's, that's not our, the 80s. our this purpose. Is, this is the moral majority of, of yeah. the mid '80s yeah. that basically reared its head and started becoming morally judgmental, yeah. and and our culture had a backlash against it. But and you know,
1: Hans, so, when you're talking about. You know, gratitude or thanking somebody or complimenting somebody—it's interesting when I would watch this woman compliment the kids or say something positive. It was never no. It was always attached to a manipulative because I want you to do this, because yeah. I want you to do that, I want you to act this way. It was never had to do with you alone. Here it is—I'm complimenting you because I like you. Yeah. And uh, kids see that eventually, they begin realizing that. You, you know, and, and the criticism. Do you remember there's a scene where the boys were in the boys' cabin and they had flashlights. On their faces and they were telling a ghost story. Yeah. And I told Angie, I said, Now watch. I said, the real them has popped up and they're enjoying themselves and they're giggling and having fun. Yep. And in walks the camp counselor man. Yeah. And and I said, Now watch what he does. And basically he's like, you know, I used to tell ghost stories. They're a lot of fun. You know, there are a lot of, but then he's, you know, what's coming. Yeah. You know, but the Bible says, focus your eyes on what is pure and what is true. And you just see the kids, you can see their souls slowly going back down. Just just deflating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, it's a criticism. It's It's what we do. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, oh, I'm so fired up. And I I saw the movie two weeks ago. We talked about a while ago
2: or not, not in the podcast, I don't think, but. Making people normal is an interesting pursuit because these kids there's normal is not sinful. When it's dark outside and you have a bunch yeah. of boys and they've got flashlights, there is no sin yeah. in talking about what could be in the dark, yeah. whether it's a, be a ghost mm-hmm. or a bear, and that is okay because that makes the little boy's heart go, uh, yeah. you know. And you, you, you it's you, fun. It's, it's fun. It's life. But, and that, like, I think that's part of it, though, too. I think people, like, and this is something that I've, I've worked with with youth. You don't read about Jesus laughing. In the Bible, yeah. and what I always say is because that's that's a given. Yeah. No. Jesus is God. You and and kids followed him around all the time. No. The 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 key to understand is that the Bible is there for kind of teaching us the the important stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a given that Jesus would have been the best football player on the field and would have had a blast doing it. You would have had a, no. a like a, a, a seriously great time with him. Why do when I when I watch so many things with kids especially, it sucks all of the norm fun no, out is. of life. They don't get to tell ghost stories. They don't get to run around and I play. I have to have a tract in my, my back pocket and have to be thinking about who no. I'm going to. And and, who am I going to minister to? That's and, it. And how am I going to tell them about Jesus? And these are nine-year-olds. It's like, come on. Well, And, and yet, 49, no. the best way to bring somebody to the Lord for their experience is by... Having a conversation that happens to go that way, yeah. not, okay, not I've, I've got to figure wrap, out how to route this conversation over to where Jesus lives. I mean, yeah. that's... That. I, you know,
1: the movie obviously was hideous in terms of what it did, how it showed children being brainwashed, but there is no difference between the adults no, There isn't in, in the religious world and the children. You know, I looked up, I went on and investigated a little bit. And it's so funny that several people who emailed me, they did the same thing. They investigated what happened to these children. Uh, mm-hmm. Levi is I one of them. And, yeah. um, and uh, I think Levi is still preaching. He's in the ministry. He's still preaching. Yeah. Um, one of the girls is still preaching. Um, so I think a, a couple of the main ones are still well, in the ministry. Remember where it was
2: filmed. Wasn't it yeah. filmed in Missouri? Or, or? Um, oh, where was it? I mean, it was, I, it was Bible it was Bell. somewhere. Yeah. And that, that's something Meg, Meg, uh, noticed a number of years ago. She went to a teacher's conference down in, um, Texas and the, it was a huge church, beautiful church, you know, I mean, the size of a small city, you you, you walk on and, and everything is taken care of and there's, yeah, there's yeah. beautiful media. And, uh, she said that, that, the, the thing that hit her was where's, where's God, <laughs> Where's your relationships yeah. with people? Where's yeah. it's beautiful, it's glitzy, it's glamorous, it makes you want to come. It's the best mall you've most churches yeah. are better clubs than any club you can oh, ever yeah. see. Yeah. They have better sound systems, and their their tech people could probably yeah. run concerts in mm-hmm. you know any major, you know, major venue. Um and yet like in all honesty, what what we're about in terms of church is about a relationship with each other that, that connects with a relationship with God because that's how we're you know, made. Unfortunately,
1: in so many of these places, it, God is everywhere but nowhere to be found. But nowhere to be found. You know? That's and, it. And uh, it's... You know, I... I think, you know, you can always see when a church is taking that turn when they go from, you know, the bumper stickers that used to say, I found it, Uh-huh um, as a conversation starter, you know, I found Jesus Yeah, to uh, a bumper sticker advertising their church. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now it's all about promoting the church and advertising the church. Mm-hmm. And whenever it, people are, the pastor talks about serving one another, um, it's always, they'll give you a list in ways in which you can serve the church. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that way. The church served the people. Yeah. And it's yeah. completely become upside down yeah. in that respect. Um, I think, uh, I think that for the most part, there's an awakening happening across America. And I think people in their adult years are, they're, they're realizing they cannot live in this religious vehicle that was provided to them, Mm -hmm. you know, years ago. It's funny, you know, even my brother-in-law, who's a pastor, Mm -hmm. um, I don't talk to him much, um, He's a good enough guy I, I, there's no reason i don't talk sure, to him but sure. he's a pastor of the assembly of god church and and uh you know back in the day when i was a pastor and he was a pastor and um he uh yeah you know, he was pretty radical um mm-hmm. i don't i don't say i would it's hellfire i don't think he threatened hell but you know he was pretty radical all the time you mm-hmm. know and even him today you know he's you know from what my mother tells me um yeah, you know, He's sort of backed away from that, and, and he's focusing on being normal and allowing others to be normal. Hmm. And that's a huge yeah. thing, and I don't know that he would put it in those terms, you know. But, you know, when, I remember uh, years ago when our church had camp, um, mm-hmm. my sister was in Master's Commission, and she took my two nephews. Mm-hmm. At the time, they were like eight and nine. And she took them to camp. And, you know, it was dynamic Pentecostal preaching for these kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the end, all these kids are... Speaking in tongues, you know, laying around, uh, rolling around, crying out to God, eight, 910 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. in the movie, you know, Lord, please, you know, doing everything. And, and my sister is, she's in master's commission. So she's wanting this, you know, she's excited about it. And she probably still would be today. If she, mm-hmm. she would be horrified by this podcast. In fact, if she would hear it. Um, but just then one of my nephews um, walk up to her and say, Aunt Renee. When is the snack bar going to be open Mm. right in the middle of this huge spiritual thing? Well, she came Mm -hmm. home very concerned and uh, told us this, you know, all these kids are getting this huge move from God. They're speaking in tongues and everything. And uh, uh, Kevy, our little nephew, walks over and he goes, when is the snack bar? It's like he's spiritually dead, you know? And -hmm. and I remember when she told us this at the time, we were all concerned. We were all like, what is wrong? Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, my two nephews, they just, they weren't even interested, you know, they didn't Mm -hmm. even get it today. They're the most incredible men you would ever meet. My nephew Justin, who was at that camp you know, mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. he could he could be a pastor of a church tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And this man knows the heart of God like no one I've seen. He mm-hmm. is incredible. Kevin's the same way. Mm-hmm. Incredible man, just incredible, godly man. And and uh, you know, you, I think a lot of people um, who bought into it eventually uh, will become burnt out on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, it's going to cost them all their relationships if they come out and say, I'm not going to be like this anymore. Sure. Um, But I I think there's a cry right now uh, across the world uh, in in Christianity, a cry for normalcy. I think Joel Osteen brought it on. Uh, I'll give him credit for that. I think Mm -hmm. Joel Osteen, in the midst of all these crazy TBN preachers, who just act like idiots and strut around like chickens and want all your money? Joel Olstein came out and and just preached normal stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just you know, just how to get along with
2: people sure. and be a nice wake person. Wake up in types. the morning, yeah, wake up on the right side of the bed, right. Yep.
1: And and I, I've always loved that about Joel Olstein. You know, I know mm-hmm. a lot of free believers don't like him. I like him. I, you know,
2: well, health and well.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, he's just a good guy who doesn't say bad things about God. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a hunger. Um, And I think that when – I know this for a fact. I know I'm taking all the time. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, I know this for a fact. Just from watching the reactions of people to me when I go places, uh, when I was just in North and South Carolina in particular because that's a Bible Belt place. Sure. And people came – who uh, have been very religiousized their whole life, and they were, in essence, the Jesus Cat people, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them had left the church world in exchange for house church, but they were still every bit as religious as they were, they just didn't go to the big institutional church. Well, right, well they, you know, they started hearing me talk, one of Mm -hmm. these meetings, and they, I saw, in this part of the world, I mean, if you say anything profound, they immediately call you prophet. Mm -hmm. They, you know, it's just, it's very religious, it's amazing. When I saw the looks in their eyes, when they started hearing the things I was saying about the heart of God, they came alive. They were like, oh, my gosh, I haven't heard this before. You could see they were like, this is a message from God on high. They knew it, and they were right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't anything they'd ever heard in their religious upbringing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would see that look in their eyes of... um, This man is a prophet who is in our midst, and we must lift this prophet up. You you could see it, and I had experienced it with so many people Mm -hmm. in the few weeks that I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's a prophet. Everyone, you know, I would see that look in their eyes of dazzling as they looked at me, as I was the wise prophet that had come to them, you know. And so I would drop, I would drop something. I would say something like, "You know, you've been taught this and this in church, and I'm telling you right now, that's bullshit." Yeah, they. Literally would fall. They, they didn't know the what to think of. It. Mold. They they couldn't believe that I would say something like that. You yeah. know that that word. And I said all that to say this. I have seen the reactions to normal. At first, mm-hmm. they were mortified when they heard me just being a normal guy and not talking religious language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were intrigued, and then you could see they were like, I want it. Mm-hmm. I want this. I, I, You could see it in their eyes. Yeah. Um, they were like, wow. One of the men said, he said, you know, you're perplexing to me because I hear you, and I know what you're saying is straight from the mouth of God. And then the very next moment, I wonder if you're not from the devil. Mm. <laughs> he's like, I go back and forth. He was kind of laughing about it. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, but what it, basically what it comes down to is, you're proving that a normal person can know God. You don't have to be a religious nut, yeah. but you can be a regular guy who gets angry, by the way, who, who loses his temper every now and then, who, yeah. who notices a beautiful woman may not, you know, gawk and lust, but at least says, wow, 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 you
0: know,
1: tells yeah. his buddies, check her out. She's gorgeous, you know, whatever. But there's a hunger for normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, People want it, and people said there's a hunger for spirituality. Let me tell you, spirituality is normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that God is all spirit, God is more physical than he is spiritual. Yeah, and yeah. and spirit,
2: true spirituality is normalcy, being normal. Jesus and, was a guy that fit into a crowd. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't saint. I, I wouldn't say that he wasn't saintly because he did saintly things, but you didn't. You didn't look at him and go, oh. That, that right, I mean, right. that was you Jesus didn't feel separate from him in. because he was so holy. Yeah. See, when I heard
1: Joel Osteen talking, this is nothing against Joel Osteen, but when I hear him talk. Mm-hmm. Um, he sounds so holy. Yeah. <laughs> and smooth, and that's just maybe yeah. him. It's Bless the his heart. Because I, you know, when I'm talking about the pastor's I voice, do. I do. I know exactly. I've said I you love can Joel Osteen. Into it. Right. But when I hear that, um, I feel immediately like, yeah, no, I'm not that holy. Yeah. And, and for some reason, people didn't feel that with Jesus. No. You know? And, you know, it's I would possible. love to have been there the day he had a whip, and he was turning tables out yeah. and cracking that whip and screaming for people to get out of the temple. Yeah. And for me, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can relate to
2: that. And not apologizing yeah, for it. I, Tommy Barnett. Not my, having to go up repent for it.
1: My, my ex-boss told me once that, Tommy Barnett, you know, he he had a bus ministry in a church he ran in Ohio years ago, and mm-hmm. and uh, somebody kept coming in the middle of the night stealing gas, mm-hmm. siphoning it out of his buses. Well, he waited with a shotgun, and she <laughs> held a he held a gun on a guy. Now, when I hear stories like that, uh, you know, Tommy Barnett, I love him. I'm like, you know what? Thank you. You make me feel like I can do this sure. because you're normal. Sure. You know the, the the Jesus Camp people they thrive on something that is so abnormal and so it takes you outside of the world of normalcy and like you said these kids are going to get older they get out in the real world and they cannot function and and a proof of it we're watching survivor mm-hmm. and we my kids now are are getting on cbs.com and watching old survivors. There's yeah. like 50 seasons. Yeah. So they're watching entire seasons of old survivors. Well, every now and then you'll get one with a Christian on there. Sure. And one of them uh, is the one with Rob when Rob and Russell uh, are on survivor. Anyway, people who don't know survivor, but this Christian guy is on there. huh. And uh, is that the, is that the gay guy, Rob? The one that no. On? Okay. No. Okay. This Christian guy's name is Matt and okay. he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. but he was so jesus camped yeah um it was sad to watch um you know they they put him out on this uh, island all by himself uh-huh. and he gets he keeps getting put on this island so he spent almost the whole 30 days all by himself on an island okay and you know he's like all the time God what are you doing I don't know what you're doing he's like I've been praying and asking God he's got a purpose and it's in his purpose that I'm here and I don't want to go outside of his will and you know God's doing something you know and and it's just constantly sometimes he's crying you know God's just mm-hmm. carrying me and and I don't know what he's up to and you know it was just and I saw this and I thought this is what happens to these poor kids yeah. <laughs> or adults who become yeah. so institutionalized and they're no longer normal, they get out in the real world
2: and they look like crazy idiots. Well, they have to find other people that believe uh, in this. Exactly. Snake that they believe Which is exactly in. what and this that's guy the only did way on Survivor. It yeah, it's the yeah. only way it works. But if they get
1: to normal people, they can't communicate, no. they can't function. Oh. And uh, that's really sad because this particular guy on Survivor was a really, really nice guy. But uh, and I told my wife I said, it sounds like he doesn't even know God yeah. you know what's he doing? I don't know what he's doing oh you know and, but that's the truth you can't yeah. know him uh, with that theology no. you can't know him uh, he's normal <laughs> yeah. and I, th- I think the call for normalcy is uh, I'm telling you if pastors would start churches with that in mind, we're going to reinstitute the old, old um, practice
2: of normalcy. <laughs> I think the church would explode. It's kind of what Jesus did. I mean, yeah. at the time, the the norm in Israel was the not normal, was church, was the the Jesus camped. Yeah. Only it would have been the, the Yahweh camped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and what he did was he came and he basically showed you don't have to put on all of these faces yeah. and all of these, uh, you know, um uh, you don't have to live in the ritual to yeah. love me. Yeah, you just love yeah. me, just talk to me, just and do it's that true. with each other. And, I yeah. mean, that's that's love God and love your neighbor. It it,
1: it is that easy, and I'll tell you,
2: yeah,
1: that's uh, it's, the it's my life. It is mission. that easy. You it's know, stupid easy.
2: You know,
1: <laughs> you know, I actually wanted to try and contact the poor kids that were on this Jesus camp 12 years ago. Just yeah. Every part of me wants to help yeah. them. But, you know, that's always been my heart. That's why I wrote The Misunderstood God. That's yeah. why I wrote The God's Honest Truth. It's why it's everything that I preach. It's, yeah. it's about this. It's, you know, it's not only returning to normalcy, but it's about going into that person and finding that comatose soul yeah. that religion made go down in order for them to survive in that culture. Yeah. and help resurrect it and help that person to see the beauty in themselves and in that soul and to live from that part of their heart. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. It's it's what I live and breathe. Mm-hmm. And 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 on top of that with my children it's about preserving that mm-hmm. soul, mm-hmm. preserving it and not breaking it and and teaching them to live from them it.
2: confidence yeah. in that. Yeah yeah no oh, well, yeah. we're out of town we're out of time i i know i- sp- i i think i i overtalked you i'm sorry no it's fine i i am actually glad because i wanted i was wanting to hear i uh, d- just to finish this talk off mm-hmm. i uh i remember kids camp kids camp mm-hmm. but i don't remember a lot i remember it in high school holy smokes the, yeah. the junior high and high school camps but um it's interesting to connect and actually hear somebody who was a pastor of an Assemblies of God church in yeah. the modern time, mm-hmm. and and to to get what your yeah. your view of it was. So that's good. And I don't know
1: that this is true, but from what I've heard, I think the Assembly of God today is doing less and less of that crazy stuff. That makes I'm
2: that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. So so
1: I'm not here to bash that no. particular denomination. No. I think a lot of them are saying no, no, we don't we don't want this crazy stuff you know anyway hey guys thanks for joining us
0: you have just been released i am like darren and hans on this the scenes they describe in the movie i remember vividly especially that one scene where the kid comes up front and admits that he doesn't know if he believes everything written in the bible you remember that scene Then the camera zooms in on the crowd to show their shocked and nervous faces. Most of them can't believe what they're hearing. What? Did you hear what that guy said? I don't know. Is that okay to say? Oh, where's the lightning strike? Where's the pastor coming in to to, to assure us all that we shouldn't question and, and, and we shouldn't doubt, you know? Here's a poor kid who wants to know God and read the Bible and understand it. So much of it is just too difficult to grasp. So in a moment of honesty, he admits doubt. And what sort of response does he get? They were shocked that even such doubt was allowed to be voiced. You're not supposed to even admit that. Anyway, again, maybe your church is different, and I, I truly hope that it is. I truly, I truly do. But I know that there really are churches out there that are not different, that, that, that do this way. But here's something I sort of want to challenge you with. If, if your church is different, that's wonderful. I'm not saying every church is like the one in in this documentary, but but many are. And if you if you think your church is different, let me invite you to sort of put your church, put your maybe put the pastoral leadership in your church or the the, the fellowship you have, the friends you have at church, put them put them to the test. All right. The next time you talk to your pastor, you ready? Slip the word shit into your conversation, <laughs> you know, or if that's too much for you, use the word crap a couple of times. Okay, just get a little, who knows, talk about your work or whatever and say the word crap a couple of times if, if the you know, the SH word is too strong for you and then see what he says. Better yet, how about this? How about this? Tell your pastor that you are thinking of taking a break from church attendance for six months. Tell him that. Tell him, tell him uh, you, you need to sort out some things with God, and, and so you might not be in Sunday morning service for a while. Don't tell them you're planning on coming back or anything. Just say, you know what, I need to take a break from church. I, I, I don't know how long it's going to be. I just need to sort some things out with God for a while. And then stop talking and see what he says. Or maybe in your Bible study group, Wednesday night, whenever you meet, let it slip that you're not so sure that Genesis 1 teaches six-day creationism. You're not fully convinced anymore that the Bible is inerrant. You, maybe you're sort of beginning to think that the Bible does have errors. See what they say. Or maybe mention, uh, how about this, For the, if you're really brave, mention that you are starting to feel like maybe you are gay. <laughs> you might want to run that that one by your spouse first before you mention that in a Bible study or to your pastor, or to your church or something, and then see what sort of reaction you get. Not from your spouse, you know, tell your spouse what you're planning on doing and just mention it and see what happens. Look, if, if all those are still too bold for you, you know, just challenge your pastor on something he said in his sermon. Tell him you're not sure he's right about what he said. You know, just pick something. It doesn't really matter what. If you don't want to tell him, you know, tell someone else what your pastor said. You know, if you don't want to challenge your pastor directly to his face, uh, then fine. Mention that you're not mentioned to somebody else in church. Yeah, I'm not sure the pastor was right about what he taught today in the sermon. Tell an elder. Mention it in your Bible study again. See what people say. Very few people in the church today will respond in an encouraging way to these sorts of statements. They're going to warn you about leaving church. Some of them might start to shun you, judge you. Rebuke you, might bring you up on discipline. You know, you, all of a sudden you see you are not free to voice doubts, not free to voice objections, not free to be honest and open with what you're struggling with, with what your fears are, with your sins. Okay? These sorts of experiences will show you that most churches, and I hate to say it, maybe yours included don't really want you to be you. They want you to be a better, fixed up, sanitized, sinless, happy, joyful version of you. Never doubts, always praises Jesus. They want you to tow the party line, sign on the dotted line, and not rock the boat with questions or doubts. Look, I could be wrong. And by the way, I'm not bashing churches on this. I'm not bashing church. I am part of the church. If you've read much about my, my journey on redeeming God or some of my books, you know where I stand on this. I love the church. I am more active in church now than I've ever been before and it increases with every passing week the way I'm involved in church. So I'm not trying to bash church, your church, anybody's church. I want the church to rise up and be the church. And that can only happen when we're allowed to be ourselves, to voice our concerns and our doubts and our fears and our struggles and our worries and our sins. I hope you're able to do that in your church with the people you gather with and fellowship with anyway if you do any of those things or if you have concerns about things Darren and Han said in this podcast or you want to share some of your thoughts and insights from the Jesus Camp documentary uh, go to the show notes for this podcast episode they're found at theology.fm slash Darren 24 links are there to the documentary also there's a link there to BibleWorks software if that's something you wanted to check out And also, make sure you leave a comment while you're there. Look forward to seeing what you have to say. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Theology.fm.